0: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Indigenous Learners Podcast, where every episode the Indigenous Advanced Education and Skills Council asks Indigenous learners from all across Ontario about their educational experiences. I'm your host, Naomi, and in this episode, we're going to be hearing part two of a conversation I had with Jeremy Andy. If you listen to part one, then you'll already know this. But if you're just tuning in for part two, Jeremy Andy is a former student and current language teacher in training at Seven Generations Educational Institute. So thank you for being here and let's get back into it. So Jeremy, what did you think your post-secondary education experience was going to be like when you were in high school and a little younger?
1: You know, I never really saw indigenous education being anything past high school like back in my younger years it was just uh, I would always either see non-indigenous people teaching uh, like indigenous studies or something like that or I would see these native educators performing their jobs in a western education system kind of thing and it was it was really strange to me because I always wondered why why we didn't have our own education system hey as opposed to like going through grade school going through high school things like that uh in the western style a lot of it was that like i didn't see campuses popping up in our areas or anything like that hey like it was always just some either in a basement or just a singular room by itself where people would go to get their education and things like that, either from high school or from some sort of uh, trades program. But it was never anything that was really geared towards a degree. Hey, Ever since I started coming to Seven Gens, I hear about all of these uh, processes that are really putting it back into the hands of it, the indigenous populations. And that it just makes me so, so proud to you know, have even a small part to play in it, even if it's just, uh, you know, saying that I got something equivalent to a college certificate out of one of these programs. Hey, like, it's really inspirational to me.
0: You know, it is really inspirational. And I keep seeing all of these amazing programs coming out from all across Ontario, whether it's for language revitalization or training people for the workforce, but being able to do so close to their home. The amount of opportunities available to indigenous youth now in 2022 is really inspirational
1: yeah like another thing that uh kind of pops into my head is that um i'm i'm pretty fortunate like my grandparents my my mother like they've all gone in pursuit of that higher education hey it might not have been in uh like an indigenous education uh institute but they did go out and seek it because you can you can survive day to day like that's easy enough to do but to actually build a future for yourself and generations to come your community and people as a whole so many people get intimidated and they don't know whether they can whether they should or if it's even available to them and that's like that's so disheartening to me because I, I know so many people who do so much better if they could just apply themselves.
0: And I feel like that experience is common in like other kind of programming within community, right? Mm-hmm. It's like organizing the program is one hurdle. And then the second hurdle is getting people to show up. In your opinion, what do you think the reason for that is?
1: So it was almost like there wasn't a, uh, a desire to kind of uh reach beyond the reservation and that that's something that you know i think a lot of it has to do with that self-doubt like not believing that uh they can go out and do this or that they won't be seen as equals which is uh something that's been like passed on for generations you know like we want to protect our people but if we put ourselves out there we're opening ourselves up to all the negativity. So a lot of people get, uh, I suppose, discouraged from that. A lot of people don't want to uh, face all of that hurt, all of those hardships that come along with it. They don't want to be told, you know, you're less than I am. So therefore I'm better than you kind of thing.
0: You know, and I think that a lot of those mindsets stem from education being a really traumatic experience for generations of our people and I know I've experienced some of those feelings myself, both in and out of education settings, and it's not easy. And what's something you think could help bridge that gap, or like help people feel supported when they're unsure?
1: Yeah, that's something I had asked my mother about. Like uh, one of, one of the questions you had asked me previously, like uh, what role does mentorship have in higher education? And she was talking about things like. Uh, like those inherent qualities that uh, indigenous populations have teachings about uh, respect, humility, love, things like that, It it's so much different trying to approach a, a person, a mentor, and ask for those things when they don't have generations of experience, generations of practice being passed down to them. Okay? So I think that's, uh, that would probably be important to include in those like uh, future programs, future, future indigenous institutions and things.
0: You know, it's a huge resource to know someone who speaks your language, especially when you're trying to learn yourself. And it's the same with any kind of reconnection to culture. It's incredibly hard to do when you don't. Know any elders, or maybe you haven't visited your home community in a decade or raised in the city like, there's so many different experiences out there. And because you are a language teacher in training and we have access to you right now, do you think you could teach us something that surprised you?
1: One thing I have figured out about the language uh, one of the one of the verb styles we call them VTAs for verb transitive animate. So like a living being is doing something to another living being, right? So one of those two, two of those terms would be Anishinaabe Motau, like speaking an indigenous language to him or Bizandau, Bizandau listening to him. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's something that just clicked in my head randomly one day, but, uh, Tau, T-A-W, that would be the vibrations from our vocal cords that uh, sound, that sound going, going from like whoever's speaking to like a second party person, right? But Tao, D-A-W is when we hear a noise coming from that second or that third person coming to us and us hearing it, hey, I'm just like, I, I don't know if that makes any sense, but like, it's uh, talking about how the direction of that sound is going back and forth between anybody, I suppose, Yeah. so like Anishinabe Motel, Naga Motel, Jaganashi uh, Motel, it's all about uh, your voice carrying over and having another person hear it. Whereas like uh Dao, Noon that's that energy, that vibration in the airwaves coming from another person and impacting you. Mm-hmm. So like those terms that I threw out there, that's more about like uh, what we are able to hear, I suppose talking about our voices uh, going back and forth between each other. Right? Mm-hmm. Even some of our words for animals, insects, things like that, hey, it's not just saying, like, that's a cat, you know, like, gosh, again or sort of boujains, those are words, different words for cats, right? But it's literally talking about what that animal is doing in its natural habitat. Hey, Do you, have you ever owned a cat? Yeah, I have. Yeah, so, like, you know how like you open a can of wet food that the, like that cat's going to demolish it. Hey, then it's going to look up at you like, like it wants more. Hey, <laughs> Yeah. so Gaja Gains literally translates to the little gluttonous one, whereas uh, the other one, Boo you know how like a cat will come up to you when you get home after work and like start meowing at you. It's, it literally translates to like the little greeter like coming up to you say, oh, you're home. Hello.
0: The little gluttonous greeters. <laughs> That's perfect. Um, what's the translation for dog?
1: A dog that would be animush, but I don't. I don't quite know the uh, how that word was put together. <laughs> One term that I like. I just explained to my students the other day was the word for a spider. A spider, a subakashi, a subakashi. So. A sub, that's talking about a net, a net, a K, means to work with, Mm -hmm. to work work at something, right? And that shape at the end, that's Mm -hmm. like saying a little one. So it literally translates to the little one who works with the nets. Just cool, cool, random little things like that. I've just been like feeding... The students just to kind of like, like, you know, I, I deserve to be up here. No, I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um feels like in, in the language, there are terms of like endearment built in, like the little, like it just implies like affection almost. Yeah. The little gluttonous one. It's like poking fun at the cat, but it's also like the little one, like it's cute and like to be cared for. And that made me feel less negative about spiders. I'm not (laughs) not going (laughs) to lie to you. The little one who works with
1: that. Oh, one other thing I shared with my students. If you see a spider crawling around on the ground, if you see one just running around out in the open, don't kill it. (laughs) Whatever Mm. you do, don't kill it. You know, like scoop it onto a piece of paper, throw them outside. Because like what you're literally doing is killing off the dumb ones. you are killing off the stupid spiders. So you're making their gene pool that much smarter every time you kill a spider like that.
0: Miigwech for the mini lesson. And I'll keep that in mind about the spiders because you definitely have a point there. Um, my next question for you is what was your transition like from student to teacher?
1: You know, it was definitely nerve wracking for the first couple weeks. Um, Cause as I keep saying, you know, I don't have a plan when I get up and do something. So like I would literally just go up there, start explaining a bit of what I know
0: mm-hmm.
1: and even even still like two months into the to my position as a teacher, I still get asked questions that really stump me. But, uh, you know, that's one of the, I think it's one of the greatest strengths that people can show is to say, I don't know. Cause you know, like so many people want to pretend like uh, they're a master at everything. Mm-hmm. Um. But, yeah, you know, it's, it's definitely been a good experience. I started getting more confidence day after day, uh, just kind of throwing myself right into the fire, I suppose. And, uh, yeah, you know, like, as I keep yeah. going with it, the more I'm willing to share... Whatever it is we might be talking about, whether it's uh, cracking a joke with the students, whether it's uh, passing on little teachings um, that our people have, whether it's uh, you know trying to reassure students that they they are able to do this, they like one of the students had uh, mentioned to me before that uh, within of their circles that they're being told they shouldn't be here, that they're not smart enough to be here, that they can't do it, things like that, right? Mm -hmm. All, All I tell the student is that we chose you for this program because we could see a passion. We can see that yearning. We can see all of the desire to not only learn the language, but to be a part of something bigger than the individual kind of thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Because the more we build up these students, the more confidence that uh, they gain, the more of that they're gonna bring back to their community. And that's that to me is like so profound, being able to, not only raise individuals, but to raise up families, to raise up communities, to raise up Anishinaabe as a whole, not just Anishinaabe. Because again, like if they Something that uh, my mentor still teaches me is that if there's an us, then there's a them. And that's really insight really... Uh, what would I, what's the term I would use for that? that opens up the avenue for conflict, right? Because if you're doing something that way and we do something this way, then you're wrong and I'm right kind of thing, right? We, we try to steer away from that as much as we mm-hmm. possibly can because you know we're all just individuals trying to live our best life, trying to create that better future for the generations down the line kind of thing. And yeah, I just, it's really humbling to be part of this experience because I realized um, you can see so many different skills in other people that you can aspire to. And at the same time, you wanna, you wanna nurture and help those skills grow in each of these individuals. And yeah, I, I just feel really honored, really really blessed, really, uh, I don't want to say like a weight on my shoulders, but knowing that I have a hand in being responsible to help lift all of these people, it's just so humbling and Giga man.
0: This episode was brought to you by the Indigenous Advanced Education and Skills Council. To learn more about IASC, please visit their Facebook page at the Indigenous Advanced Education and Skills Council or their website at iaesc.ca. I'm Naomi coming to you from unceded Algonquin Territory. Talk to you soon.